Oh, welcome back to big content Ooh. to big usernames on Twitter. All capital. Honestly, you look like a scammer. I am a scammer. Don't we all know? I it? actually get called a scammer pretty often. Makes me sad. I can see that because you, you. Here's the thing: like snapback is tied to culture, right? Like your your whole thing is like is uh, you want to be relevant in sports as it relates to like culture, right? And I think culture can easily influence actions, right? So, like, if NFTs are part of culture, like, yeah, you yeah. find yourself naturally gravitating towards those. So when those things become mass market things, yeah. but then they, you know, fall off, people are going to be like... Fall off. Bitcoin's up, like, 12% this week. Why do you think people are calling you a scammer, then? Because they sold all their Bitcoin at the bottom. <laughs> Get your but crypto. You, you told them the hodl, right? Yeah. I, I hodled everything, like a cuck. But I actually just bought another V friend like last week, two weeks for ago. For what? For the long run. Okay. <laughs> Did you actually? Yeah. You know, like you, three have, or four you actually ones. have like a fourth of an Ethereum of from that bet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're right. I, I think it's still in the account. Nah, I don't know anything about that. <laughs> <laughs> you lost it. We'll call What'd it you even bet for it on? What'd you bet it on? No, I definitely have it somewhere, I'm sure. No, but it's in the betting account. Oh, yeah. Uh, maybe. Yeah. Like, I think we should fire on something. We might have fired it, but if not, maybe. we should put it. I definitely didn't, like, just do it myself. No, put I it that way. We might have done it together. Yeah. <laughs> Unless. I have no idea. All right. What, All right. Big content. Um, Nick and I got a office together. Very excited for that. Hi, fam. The Snapback Boys have officially gotten an office with Sir Nercolano. This is going to be our little studio room we'll be refurnishing and changing up the whole spot but office space to work people will be working around here don't get it twisted got some bathrooms little kitchen we will buy a fridge and then a solo content room maybe a double for some video game content not too bad not too bad and when we were checking it out today, the real estate broker came up and he was like, I'm thinking about doing content or I've started to do content. And I feel like it's the most applicable real life experience we've had since we started this podcast that we can kind of like actually talk on. This guy who, who Nick thought was this superintendent, he was the guy who showed us the building in the first place. But he could have been the super. It could have been two brokers and a super that were with him. Like the super is usually in the building. And then when we looked on the thing on the board... Where it shows the super... That's not a Sal. I'm supposed to know what I'm a just fucking at, Sal looks like? My guy who I thought was Sal if was you more two, so Sal than that guy. Bro, if we had pictures of the guys and I put them up on the screen and they had to vote who more looks like a Sal... A superintendent Sal? The dude who walked down, the second guy who came down and you asked if he was Sal, uh, went on his name... I tag, didn't see. I looked up. But, but regardless... I, I say, goes, hey, fellas... Listen, his name was Milton. Yeah, no. I, I and he it. looked like a he motherfucking like a Milton. Yeah, the Whatever. fact that you thought it was a Sal. The guy, the guy, the Jewish broker that was showing us the commercial real estate space. I was, Sal didn't look like anyone. Sal. Sal. I don't have any Jewish friends. Named Sal, Sal didn't look, okay, let's just, let's just put it out there flat. Are there black people named Sal? Yeah. You don't think so? There are, I mean, I'm sure there are, but there are way more Is white people. Is this how we get you, finally? Seven there are way, years of content, we <laughs> there get are way more white people named Sal. Yeah. Therefore, my guess, no, no, just on him being white is... No, just based off the suit, what does the superintendent wear? Are they more likely to wear... A suit? 
What do you mean a suit? He's super. Oh, my God. <laughs> All right, anyways, suit. not Sal comes down, and he's like, so I've been getting started on this content thing, and everyone does these things, man on the street, where they ask someone, oh, where do you live? And then they go show them, and they're brokers for apartments, but that's how they build their content. And now, or actually, it's not even have to be a broker. Like, I think that Daniel Mack guy did it with cars, and then people started copying doing Look, it. I, I want to I actually go back a little <laughs> bit, because when the guy first walked in the room, I don't know if you were in there or not. Yeah. He's like, oh, I want to I ask you something. This broker guy came in to, like, uh, see if yeah. we had any questions the about that. But, yeah, he was like, I got a question. Me and my friends were, like, having a discussion about, like, podcasting, about the podcasting industry. And um, one of my friends was like, yeah, it's, like, a really good, like, booming industry right now. And then he goes to me and he prefaces, he's like, I don't want to, like, you know. He knew we did content, but rain he didn't on know your, what we did. Right. And he's like, I don't want to, like, rain on your parade, but I kind of feel like, why would you listen to podcasts when you could like read or watch TV or something? And I'm like, you're like, you make yourself sound dumb right now. Like you don't make me feel bad at all by saying he's going to be listening to this. Whatever. Fuck him. We're, we're trying to help him anyways. But he was like, he came at it from an, an innocent place. Him and his friends were like having a discussion about it. And they were curious from like a content creator standpoint about the podcast industry and stuff. And he wants to get into content because he sees a lot of real estate people within New York. I almost feel like every real estate person I know We've talked about this before. Yeah, wait, like, who did I talk about? We've talked about this on here when we were, when I was looking for an apartment, I think. And we were like, if you're a real estate broker, how are you not making a TikTok and just showing off each place? When I was down in Baltimore, okay, yeah. when I was down in Baltimore last weekend, there was someone who's in real estate. He was like, I'm thinking about like starting to make videos where I like show off the apartments and stuff. And I'm like, Baltimore can't be five years behind New York, like culturally, <laughs> right? Like I, in my mind, I was like, I can't think of a New York real estate person that doesn't make TikToks yeah, about like yeah. the, the stuff that they do. Yeah. But this guy that we were with this morning was like, I don't see any of that type of content in the commercial real estate space. And I was like, Ooh, that's a really, really good idea. We just kind of got into a conversation about it. Just like brainstorming the ideas. Well, the, the light bulb moment, which we all loved, which was when he was like, yeah. And I feel like I'm going to do the content and not like sell myself and say the company I work for right out of the start until I build up trust and, you know, an audience. And we were like, all right. He's got it. Even if he, he only wanted to provide value and make entertaining yeah. informational content. And he didn't even know what he was doing. Yeah. And it's good that his instinct led that way. That's huge. Then this is where I give credit to Nick for being a top tier cre uh, creator, a super creator who would wear suits. <laughs> super you, superintendent creator. You Obviously, Dang. the basics are like you could compare, you know, areas to work in. You could compare spaces. You could highlight the best features and maybe even like a bad feature that you would want to fix, stuff like that. That's not necessarily going to be the most engaging. Where you came in, you were like, this is how I would do it. You walk through the office while people are there. You're showing off the office. And then as like a joke, as a sidebar, you ask a random employee, like what they think about the boss or who's, or you ask who's the boss, your who's employees. your least favorite employee, you yeah. know? And it's those little things that I take think there are so many nuances to this specific piece yeah. of content that actually is so fun. And you can come at it from a, a lot of different angles. What I thought was kind of interesting was when we first asked him or Maggie might ask him, yeah. do you ask the people what the price of the thing is and he was like no because i don't want to sell yeah and i was like i don't know <laughs> your mindset is in the right place but i'm not sure how those two yeah those two aren't related those two link up i think he thought that if the person said what they were like paying for it yeah. then it somehow might feel like the audience like they're trying to sell the place to the audience right, or something right. like that no i think there's some fears it's like one, they don't want to reveal their pricing because that will set the market for them, right? Well, By right. Them. What, what I do think is important, though, is that type of content 
Especially if, if your back end purpose is to eventually, you know, sell yeah. or rent real estate space to companies, I think you do need to have a blend of informational and yeah. entertainment, right? And I think the informational does help in the sense of like the pricing of yeah. the things. And I think you could just dig so much deeper into it. Like the pricing obviously would help someone, you know, like yourself who's never yeah. seen office space before, like, oh, this is what I'd be looking at. And it's the same thing with uh, apartments on TikTok. It's right? also the most interesting part of the content is how much does this space worth how much does it cost and you can dig into i like there's so many um i i think almost like a cribs version of going through the kitchen yeah. of what's in the office yeah. space is, is really funny i think even asking the business the the owner afterwards saying like hey knowing what you know now would you have leased this place again or like what would you have done differently moving yeah. in kind of thing because i know i learned so much after the two years of being in this space that yeah. i look for in the next space yeah. kind of thing the um, toughest part i'll say of that type of content is you're thinking about if they were to come in here, you guys would crush it. The video would be great. You would use the face. And and that's what a lot of those man on the street people did. They started to either, it's the car grabbed your attention or the person's apartment that they went into. Commercial space, probably not going to be that interesting for the most part. Obviously, some spaces will be. And then the person that you're kind of going through it with, they're not going to be that talented on camera. That's probably the toughest part. And sometimes like you just got to make it about yourself and it's your personality who's actually going through. And then if you get a good character, you, you utilize that. That is but, super fair. I kind of just like think, Oh, if he came into our office, it'd just be like natural. I'm just kind of walking through. Exactly. People would like say what up. Yeah. But in like an accounting firm, yeah, they'd be like, like <laughs> what the hell's going yeah, on yeah. kind of thing. But yeah, we've learned that in our videos too, which is like with fans, you want to, I mean, our whole thing is around our fans, all the content we do. And we've come up with opportunities and it's like, we have a fan who they're just camera shy or they're not entertaining or they've never done. And it's like, Oh, well no shit. Like they don't do this for a living. So that's probably the one thing I would keep in mind, but his mindset was great, and I thought that was cool. So. Thought it was really, really interesting angle. But those are the those are that's the thing that you want to be looking at as a content creator is like what's working in another industry, or it could be an adjacent industry, very similar to like I could go look at fantasy basketball because yeah. no one in fantasy football is actually looking at fantasy basketball content, and maybe there's something over there that's like obvious to the people in that subsection of an industry that's yeah. like, oh, this video works every single time. And it's not but we've never looked at it. Yeah. So it's like, oh, it's there. You know what I mean? Like that's the kind of stuff you should be looking at as a content creator, not just in your industry, but what can I take that's already been proven successful elsewhere? Because if it's proven it's successful elsewhere, it's likely not just because it's the industry. It's because people's behavior. They just like the yeah. thing that you're making. So transfer it over to yours. When we were looking in YouTube consultants, <clears throat> we had this one guy who pretty much sold us like his methodology. And he said, take the methodology. If you can figure it out yourself, I'm happy for you guys. If not, you need me to handhold you, walk you through it. You can do it. But it was essentially that. It was look across five niches and take the top five videos and identify what the formats are. And those formats are actually what works. And they can be applied to like 90% of different niches. So I would say the thing that most excited me about that is what gets me really hype is when people use content and social media to acquire high ticket or high value customers. And I think nowadays, you know, people are obsessed with the million followers and then you could have a brand deal for $10,000 as opposed to, yeah, he might get a video that might do 3000 views, but if it leads to like two leads and he closes one of them, that's going to be more than a brand deal for someone with like a hundred thousand followers getting a hundred thousand views per video. It's those high value customers do you that think, content's interesting for. Do you think, and that's why like you'll get high value customers if your value prop is correct yeah and i do wonder like overall say that type of content does not go to scale 
Will it reach the right people though? It, it'll be yeah. engaging. I would probably watch it regardless of whether or not I like ran a business or whatever. I don't know if it necessarily speaks to. Yeah, if you if you hashtagged it right, you'd be surprised. Like if you were like New York offices, Manhattan work or CEO, workplace, yeah, rags to riches, yeah, rags <laughs> to riches, super intense. E- this is the thing about content: is the best word of mouth is word of mouth, and so. Even if like, like imagine your friend just happens to scroll in and they're like, oh, I heard that you're, and we're creating content. We're putting out content to the world saying we're looking for an office. Your friend sees it, it gets sent to you. So it's not always the platform that, you know, it needs to be discovered on. Are there 48 year old CEOs who are looking for a new office and they're like, hmm, let's go to TikTok or they're just scrolling TikTok? Probably not, but you'd be surprised. The algorithms, they, I mean, my friends always joke, like, my buddy texted me about raisins today, and then he's seeing raisin ads. You know, the the internet, it'll, it'll find you. Yeah, I, I do want to go back to one one point that you started this whole conversation with, was the guy was saying, he's like, I don't want to sell anything yeah. because I feel like that breaks the trust of the audience. That was, like, the most pure shit ever, and yeah. I feel like if you are not starting content with just the pure passion of being like, oh, this is a really fun idea, like, I can't wait to do it, I don't want to sell... <laughs> Hot take. I think his angle was very clear. I think he, sure. he had the business. I think the business purpose. I don't even know if he was that passionate about it. I think he was really excited about it. He was definitely Maybe he excited. was excited because it was a good idea, but. Which, which I think is actually okay. Like, I think it's no different than just thinking of an awesome marketing tactic. Yeah. Right. But how you, long does that last? It, it, it's a you, spark. Right. It might be a spark and maybe that's all you need to get started. But. I would say it's more so the balance of when do you start to sell in as opposed to, you know, what like how passionate you are about it. But yeah. that's been a topic that's been on my mind recently. It wasn't technically in the I show think the notes. angle he would have to do was one, like curate it, finding people that he thinks the office would be interesting. Yeah. And two, it would obviously have to be spaces that he's rented out, not like friends who have office no, buildings. Think. No. I think so. Why? That's the only way to be able to sell. Because people will be like, oh, where do you find these office spaces? And it's be like, I oh, I think it should be a healthy mix. I think it should be like, he should try and get in the craziest office spaces. And then he should try and do stuff he sells. People should just be coming to him looking for an office at the end of the day. Anyways, I was thinking about creator lifespan. And you talk <laughs> about like, you know, if they don't really want to do it. I, I've been talking to some creators who've been in it for like six, seven years. And I can kind of just see them being like lost. And like not knowing what to do. They don't necessarily want to follow the trend. They don't necessarily. And then we have this video here. So we're going to throw a video up on the screen. We'll watch it with you in real time. First internship can't fathom working for the rest of their life. The original creator turned his stitches off for some reason, even though he asked a question. But I think we need to talk about this because I am a Gen Zer who got her first like corporate in-office adult nine to five job this year. And I was actually really excited about it because it was a marketing position in a healthcare company. So I thought it was going to be really great. And I get that the company itself ended up being like horribly toxic, but I also made the decision within only four months of working there that if I had to do this like corporate drone thing for the rest of my life, because I did the math, you couldn't retire in this economy. I just like would rather clock out eternally. Like there were people in their forties at the company making the same amount of money as me, like still in the same struggling to get by position. And I was like, is this, this is it, this is life. Cause I would rather just like tap out right now. And I tried to keep pushing through with blind optimism, but it was like so soul crushing that nine months in, I just had to wake up and be like, hey, is this the life you wanna keep living? And the answer was like, no, I don't wanna do this. So I had to leave for my own health reasons, ironically. And I've sadly been happier doing odd jobs here and there, struggling to pay bills and just living life and having fun. 
And everyone keeps asking, like, what's your plan? What are you going to do? I don't know what the plan is, but I know if I have to go back to that corporate and office nine to five, like, I won't be alive a year from that date. So say whatever you want about Gen Z, but we're just finally putting our foot down about this corporate lifestyle where you waste most of your life sitting in an office doing little to nothing. I would rather just get my work done on my time and then get to go live my life. Gen Z to their core takes the motto, work to live, do not live to work very seriously. And if corporations don't start understanding that, like it's just gonna keep getting worse for everybody. I think that last line is great. I think there's, uh, there's we could probably talk about this for like an hour and a half. But let's, let's reverse engineer it. She said, corporations need to start thinking about that. What, do, what can corporations do? There's some nine to fives that there isn't an answer, is there? Can you make certain things fun? It goes back. You don't necessarily need to make it fun, but you have to have a common goal or a mission that people believe in. And you present that through branding. But some and of these ones are tough. Then they don't deserve the best talent. If they're a bad sure. place to work, if they're boring, if they're not fun, like why would someone want to yeah, work? Yeah, there? but I don't even know if that's her argument that like it's best- it's not. But I'm telling you yeah. what like the crux of the problem I think is here is necessarily that she's saying oh these these corporations are going to learn they will over time because yeah. the talent that they're going to be able to recruit is going to go further and further yeah. and further down because people would rather put the resumes in and work at places like here yeah. or places, you know, that are more inspiring to them or yeah. that have a common goal or see something cool that they believe in. I mean, that was like the end point of it, I think. So when she says odd jobs, to be clear, that's not like being a creator. That's more so probably you know, maybe fucking building shit on Cast rabbit, yeah, Uber yeah. eats, yeah. whatever it yeah. is, which I really respect. Yeah. I and think that's a lot of awareness. I haven't done it obviously, but it feels like my pulse Feels like you can make more money doing that stuff if you like actually put some time and energy into it as opposed to like an opening salary. Now, I think the scales are different, right? Like, yeah, you come work in New York in sports media, you might make $45,000 entry level, if that. And then it's going to be a grind. And then maybe you'll get to like six figures, you know, a few years not even a few years, five, six years into your career. The task rabbit stuff, you might come in at 80 and you might actually be able to just make 80 every single year. But then there's no, like, you get 15, 20 years into your professional career, you would think you hit that curve as opposed to task rabbit. I don't know. It's probably a straight line. And that stuff, it, it the co- economics of it probably don't last forever. No, but, like, what I think people are starting to realize is your life is, okay, she values things more than money. Yeah. Where I don't know if people do or realize that they're like allowed to value other things and actually practically act on that. Yes. In the sense that she's like, I would value my freedom and my flexibility in my lifestyle over a steady paycheck and over me not being bored all day and hating my job. Where I think a lot of people would agree with that, but I don't think they understand that they could actually practically act on that. I don't think people understand that for the first time ever, you can make as much money doing it. And that's the change is, yes, you will not have the consistency of the biweekly paycheck and maybe that health insurance after a few months, but you could actually accrue the same amount of money. If you are someone who can deal with the stress and anxiety and the highs and lows of one week, I'm making a thousand bucks, one week, I'm making 400. That's where it's being aware. But net, net, I'm still making three grand a month. Okay, that's what I was making in my old job. So I I think also there are some people who are like privileged that will do stuff like this and they're not actually paying their bills. So it's like that shit is out the window. If she's actually living by herself and paying, if she's, you know, paycheck to paycheck, actually working other jobs, 
I think it's extremely practical. And where I want to kind of segue this conversation that still is I've been thinking more and more about like the creator economy and, and where it's going to be in 10 years. And I still think there's there's like really only three or four subsections of creators that the way that the creator economy is set up right now, right? It's like the individual creator who just started making a full-time living. There's probably like us. And then there's the maybe like company that was created off a creator. And then there's like the worldwide influencers, right? Like I I almost, I'm sure I'm missing like maybe a couple, but those are, I feel like are like the four kind of situations right now. What I think we're going to see over the next few years is people are almost, I, I think they should almost label themselves as freelance content creators. Mm. Okay, let's say you hated your corporate job and you're like, I'm going to be a freelance web designer. Mm -hmm. It's not weird to be like, man, my life is flexible and I'm not sure where my income is coming from, but I'm making 65K a year doing it. And I don't know what my ceiling is. If more people had the freelance mindset with content creation, I think it'd be a lot healthier for them because your friend or whoever you're speaking to, I think a lot of people get in the rat race of like, I need to keep growing. I need to be... I need to get to that next level of content creation where you could supplement whatever your salary was to become a content creator over the span of like two to three years and, and say, Hey, I'm a freelance content creator. But that's if you actually like that lifestyle, if you like the idea of being like, if, if if your idea of being a content creator is Mr. Beast, like you're not going to make it there and it's a bad plan to set off for. But if you're like, I want to be a freelancer because I'm passionate about content that's realistic. Yeah. But whatever you're doing freelance wise, like if you're a web designer, if you're whatever it is, like you have to be passionate about that thing. Yeah. But I do think we'll see a lot more like freelance content creators where it's like, oh, I'm making 10K from doing two YouTube videos a week for this company. Mm-hmm. And then I'm making, you know, $4,000 a year off AdSense and TikTok creativity program. I'm making 10,000 a year from a product. You know what I mean? Like this mishmash of, of random freelance projects that end up being like the salary of who you are. And I think we're going to see a huge amount of... Um, uh, a huge amount of creators start to fall into that bucket, not these like crazy other skyrocketed yeah. buckets. Yeah, diversifying the income streams through just different jobs. Now, you do essentially become a pseudo employee for those companies. Is that okay, though? As long as you're doing what you want to do, and then you got to balance, okay, are we going to take this job with this company? You know, it's just things to think when I, about. When I first left my job, the reason I did it wasn't because it was like, I mean, part of me was like, yeah, I want to go after this fantasy football thing. But for me, it was much more related to mm-hmm. her thought process where I valued my flexibility and my lifestyle yeah. and my freedom and my be able to be creative when I wanted to. And that led me to doing freelance work in marketing. And it led me to do a little piece of content. And it led me to do like this and that. And I was happy making money from wherever I could get it to end up paying for my right, right. my life. And yeah, like there would be clients that I was like, beholden to. Yeah. But for me, that was way better than doing the corporate grind. And I wasn't making that much money at the time, but it made me a much happier person, a much more inspired person. I I just think that that's such a, a real path in today's world that people think is like outlandish. You don't need to get to $500,000 a year. You could literally get to 60 K a year. It'll be hard. It's no different than actually being a freelancer in any other industry. It's not easy to just make a salary doing that shit. If you have a little bit of like go-getter mentality and you're a little bit creative, you can get there over time. And I think being situationally aware, not everybody can just quit their job and then start paying bill to bill, but you can also stay in that job. You can make a plan to stay in your job for six months. Say, hey, I'm just going to save up for the next six months so that I have a runway of six months or 12 months to be happy and figure out what I want to do there. It's all it's all like real practical life that people are doing and people are living and people are working through right now that 
I, I feel like a lot of people don't understand that that is actually a real path. And that's why we get onto podcasts like this and talk about it because yeah, I feel journeys like we've been through. The trickiest part is probably convincing that person who didn't just start their job, but they're into their life mm -hmm. and they have gotten to that salary floor. Of, even if it's 100K and you're starting to think, oh, well, I can't take a dip because I do this and this and this. And that that's tough. That's a lifestyle thing again, though, too. It it's, a, it's a lot about like, the lifestyle that you build up for yourself, what things do you actually need versus what things do you want versus like things you're buying because, you know, you're insecure about X, Y, or Z, you know, a lot of it, a lot of the roots of these problems trace back to that problem right there in itself. And I think like, I commend this girl. If, if what she's saying, everything is like true. I commend yeah. the fact that she was like self-aware enough to say, Hey, I can't do this. I'm going to do odd jobs. Everyone's asking her like, what are you doing? What are you doing? The other thing about that that part right there too. It's like, what are you doing? It's like, I don't have a plan. What you realize is like, once you get to a level of success relative, you get there, especially in the financial sense. And you're left with this like, um, okay, now what did I do that all for? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you're there and now you're like, oh, now I just get to live my life. Yeah. Right. So it's like, it's, it's not about where you're going with it. It's about like putting the right pieces around you while you're building it up. So it's like the odd jobs, you don't need a plan if you're enjoying what you're doing at the yeah. time doing it. Right. Like obviously it'd be nice to have a fucking retirement plan or whatever, but yeah, that's more of an outside thing. Plan. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that what the Joker said? Everyone, I think everyone loves a plan, even if it goes wrong. No, nah, it was like, everyone has a plan until like one little, there's like everyone yeah, has a plan until you get punched. In the mouth. More inspirational quotes on big content. You tweeted at Felipe about the Creativity Fund after he posted something. Uh, creativity Fund still going well, still happening. Um, any thoughts, general updates on our TikToks are fucking absolute flop fest right now. That's is that platform or you think it's the content? Um, That's probably like a really good conversation right now, actually, if you're willing to be um, vulnerable. Sure. Um, I think it's, I want to say maybe it's a mix. I do think our content's changed a little bit in season. We're a lot more like fantasy betting focused, yeah. which I think probably mixes into the algorithm for us. Yeah. Then again, we still have like a bunch of trivia is like yeah. 580, 360, 330, like in a row that will rip. And then we'll have, I don't think the last like eight trivias we put out hit anyone's like for you page. Interesting. And do I think the content is? It's, well, I think the tricky part, I guess, for you to evaluate is it's the same content, right? Or Matt sitting over there like, I was the goat. Well, here, here's the thing. Like, the trivia, people like to play along. But I also think the the best performing ones are obviously when something, like, big, annoying, or controversial yeah, happens. Yeah, That'll yeah. always do well on TikTok. Yeah. But it's the ones where we are, like, really good in the trivia, right? And we'll have, it'll be, like, 30 answers, and we mm. get, like, 28 out of 30. Those are always, like, oh, they were, like, on point for this yeah. one. Ones where we have a list of 30, and we only get, like, seven of them. Yeah. It's just not good content. And Got obviously... It. Is that what the last eight have been they've all been like unsuccessful. Uh, a mix i mean some of them are not like that but i would say the common denominator for the ones that do really well are us doing really well yeah. i will say though on like youtube is still doing really really well okay. we could like do no wrong there and everyone loves the content there but yeah. tiktok taking a little bit of a dip and do you think that is anything or a lot due to the fact that eventually people just like tire of the same content like mm -hmm. ike's lunch right like it went like that and then it went like that just naturally it was never gonna yeah. it can't always go up forever right yeah. and then it got it found like it's floor though right yeah do you think that it's just people have seen trivia and they're tired of trivia i don't think that's the case i think with ike's lunch i think we got bored of doing it yeah and so the content itself was a representation of yeah, how yeah. we felt about doing it right it got boring got repetitive whatever it is you know there's only one subject so there's only so many things you could do with it yeah 
with trivia, these guys are still like excited about it. We're making new games as you know as yeah, often yeah. as we can. When no, we the, the new game to. iteration is impressive. I'll I'll speak as one of a, a million people that follows you. Are you guys at a million yet? Soon like six six fifty still. Um, I don't watch much trivia anymore, but that's just like my habit. I think people just have content habits that they go through different waves. I'm busier during football season, so committing to like a five minute trivia video is just more unlikely for me mm -hmm. right now there's got to be some i don't know if it's trivia fatigue necessarily like i asked but i think just the fall i'm busier so some people are more busy i think the summer like you know people are chilling that's super valid too and, and eventually i'm sure there will be some kind of like trivia fatigue which is why we actually we have meetings every thursday to yeah. improve on trivia and like see what the comments are engagement and yeah. like see where we can start improving and it was very much like when um Immaculate Grid or whatever, those grids like started yeah, popping yeah. off. Like we realized really quickly, everyone started doing it. No one wants to watch They're it anymore. Done, so we yeah. pivoted off. Yeah. Well, all these other companies, your friend wanted $10 million, you know, <laughs> all that kind of shit happened. And we saw very clearly like yeah. uh, that's kind of the most boring part of trivia that we could do. So we're always trying to improve it. Yeah. But it's, you're still making money on TikTok. You like the creativity fund. You think it's a good option for short form. Creativity. Yeah. And I will say again, sorry, that, that was my, my original point was like yeah. ice lunch fell off because we were not passionate about it. Yeah. But I still have fun doing that. Yeah, yeah, like I have no problem yeah. sitting on the couch and like playing. Even if the views fall off, like I still enjoy making right, it. So yeah. I'm going to still fucking do that yeah. stuff. And hopefully it overlaps. Yeah, we're still making money on it. And and again, when I replied to Felipe, he was talking about how they, you know, they started making serious money off of TikTok doing that. And I, I think I brought this up a few months ago. And I was like, I think the TikTok creativity program is like a legit place to diversify the revenue for yeah. creators. And obviously there are standards where you have to have certain number of followers or count or whatever. But in terms of just like organically paying content creators, it feels good because you could have one video pop off and there you could just made 500 bucks. Yeah. You know what I mean? And like, you can't depend on it, but over a larger sample size, say you make a hundred videos in a month, you might be able to depend on like one or two of those going for 500,000, mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. 500,000 views and, and making the money off of that, which over a larger sample size is easier to depend on. Same thing with like predicting football, 16 games versus if you're playing like fantasy baseball over the course of 162 yeah, yeah. games, you have a much better like sample size of what things will probably occur. Yeah. And that's kind of the way I look at the TikTok creator fund. Okay. But you're making more money on YouTube, I would assume. Yeah. Way more money. They were about the same. Yeah. TikTok, we were like, when we first started ripping, trivias were going crazy. Mm -hmm. We were probably at like five to six K a month. Yeah. And now it's probably half that, around yeah. three. YouTube is still at like six to seven. If you can get on long form. Oh, I think we're dead. Yeah, if you can get on long form, I would... Say that's probably the, the end goal, but people are making money on short form. Last thing, we are hiring a new position. What would you do to stand out on the application specifically? So we're hiring a position for big content to be a producer. So you will be in the office every Wednesday. You'll watch the pod. You'll mark notes. You'll make fixes like when our camera dies. And then you'll cut up social clips. Get You'll hooks, edit this full pod too. Edit the full pod, edit the social clips, put hooks, put captions, you know, make it engaging, add graphics, and then post to social media, right? So really produce and then run social for the podcast. If you're interested, uh, comment down below and, and we'll find you. But we did, you put out a video on TikTok, you got about 50 applicants, and I was going through them all. And I was, you know, curious what stood out to you from anyone's application. It could be something you put on the resume. They could link something. They, we put a section where it was like other. Wh where did your brain first go to to start narrowing it down? So I'll, I'll first say I did a poor job. I think whenever you're looking for a specific role or bring someone on, you should know exactly what you're looking for. Right. You should almost, and I was just actually talking about Tony 
with this because we're going to bring in someone to do vlogs for us <clears throat> and we're going to have them come in to like interview. But we need to know by the end of that, what do we say by the end of the interview? What do we ask so that we know whether or not that person is the right person for mm -hmm. us? That's the way an application should be set up. So by the end of it, you're not asking random questions that something should like surprise you. And be like, oh, cool. Yeah. You should know by the end of it, like whether or not this person is the right fit for the job. So I think I kind of set that up poorly, to be honest with you. But I realized throughout while I'm watching it for big content, I think doing the long form YouTube edits are important. I think the social clips will be a little bit more important. One, if I was an applicant, if I was an applicant for this mm -hmm. and I saw that's what you wanted done for social, I would immediately have gone back to last week's big content and the week before cut up about five clips for each of them. Be like, this is what I could do for you. Done. Not a single person did that. It's so simple. That would have been. Is it, it not simple? Or we just know it because we're in it. I don't know. Because my brain was like, the, the person who would have already gotten this job would have watched last week's episode. Made I didn't even need five clips. Yeah. Made one You're clip. Right. I was just being dramatic. Yeah. <laughs> made, made one clip, sent in, been like, this is what me working for you guys would look like. Yep. So my brain went to see, my brain would just look at videos that people have done and, and been like, oh, this is what we want for big content. So yeah. those people started to stick out for me. But I went into it without actually knowing exactly mm -hmm. what I thought was more most important. And as I was looking at it, I was like, okay, my brain is now kind of like normalizing what yeah. is important to me. And it was like the the short form social clip. So the people that were being like, who were like, oh, I've done this before for other mm -hmm. podcasts. Here are the examples of yeah. that. And I was like, oh, that looks pretty good. That could be super useful for us. Those are the ones that stood out. But again, just do the thing that the people want. And... Another really good example that I, I am always, when I talk to college kids, but it applies to, to people working in any profession, and the reasoning that I give them to start your own thing is not only to get repetitions, but you create a portfolio. Yep. So the one, the one of the guys that I, Mark Green, he you know put his YouTube, so I checked it out. He had a good thumbnail. He had his YouTube all set up with long form videos and then he had cut shorts from it. And I was like, that's exactly what we need. He had 500 followers on the, on the account. If he had 5 million, he probably wouldn't be applying for the position. <laughs> so I'm not saying, idea. I'm not saying he's the best one, but like that made it so simple for me to be like, all right, that's someone that we're going to interview. Yeah. You'd actually, you'd be shocked too. Like when you go through the applications, the number of people that make it difficult for me to figure out like what they do. Yeah. It'd be like, Oh, I edit all these videos for like my, yeah. for my school program or whatever, but then they don't show them or link them or put them in the folder. Yeah. I'm like, how am I? What am like I some, like one of the guys just posted the temple athletics Instagram, which was to show that he worked, which is cool. I get your work experience. Yeah. But which we don't one, know which one are you, you photo editing? Are you video yeah. editing? Did you run it? Were you an intern? Like make it as easy and clear as possible for us. I We've talked about this before. I'd rather you send a very long email to the point, but very long giving me all the context than just trying to be short and lobbing out, like posting, yeah. like tagging the Instagrams for the MBA. Like yeah. what what part about this is relevant? It's like I worked for this. It's like that's not good. I need specific things. Yeah, what yeah. did you do? And that formula, we brought this up a million times, is what you want to be doing for job applications, for reaching out to brands and sponsorships, for reaching out for collaborations. Yeah. Long is fine, short is fine, medium is fucking fine, but contextual and valuable yeah. is what we're looking for. And don't come in all caps or you're gonna look like a scammer. <laughs> That's Maybe that's what we want. Maybe that's what we need. Yeah. Some gets gets the people's attention. Yeah. All right. That's all we got. That's all we got. Jam one in the new office 2024. Oh, dude. I can't. Yeah, you're you don't, know how, you don't know how fucking hyped I was walking out of that place today. Yeah, you were, you were, you were energetic about it. One other thing I was thinking. That's all. 
from big content, make sure you hit the subscribe button, hit the like button, share with a friend, share with someone who should apply for our big content producing job, share with your mother, share with your mother's mother, and we will see you next week on big content. Are you ready? Why am I ready? It's flawless execution by you there. Pin it on me. Welcome to Big Content presented by C4 so you can see more. <laughs> Richard, see more. No. Never been poor. <laughs> Light of a beer, call it course. DJ more. Elijah more. More Big Content. Please no more. There you go. Uh, what's your name? Nick. I just have you saved as Nick Irk. I think that's how a lot of people probably have me. Do in. people call you Nerkalano? Like no, I'm no. Your fiance <laughs> is that what she she thought she made up a yeah, uh, yeah. a nickname. It might for have it. been that. Was it Nerkalano? Maybe. Like that's just his first Happy name. <laughs> first letter, last name. I think it wasn't too creative. She she when I first met her, she called herself like the nickname Gibber. And so her like whole thing when we first started dating was like, I'm going to give you a nickname and that's going to be like our thing. And she wanted to call me jet jet. Yeah. That's tough. And it could not have stuck less. Yeah. I was going to say, I hope, I hope that was like a 24 hour thing. Yeah. Pretty much. You, you let it happen. Cause you just met her. <laughs> yeah. I was just like, has she thought of any other good ones for you? Um, big dog, big dog eats. <laughs> She calls me. She calls you big dog eats. She calls me the big dog that eats. Okay. Yeah. She does make you a lot of food. She does chef up. Not anything good, but. What do you mean? You're always flexing what she makes you on on IG. Are you faking it? Um, (laughs) I mean, you can't see her behind the camera. (laughs) (laughs) She's fucking (laughs) shotgun loaded, (laughs) pointed at you. This salmon rice bowl. Put on her story. I actually could see her getting mad at you if you don't put that on her at your story. Uh, man. All right, I'm ready to rock. I'm just. I'm not there. I'm just yeah, not there yet. Need a little more warm up. I like that we got the full screen going though. It was just so we could watch the video, so we can like suck it in in real time. No, I memorized like, it. Minute forty three seconds. Um, and then you're gonna watch something you memorize. Did. Do you think I should kill the caps on my Twitter name? It's like doing the most, isn't it? Um, I never really thought about it. Yeah. No, you have all caps as your name and then all lowercase for well, your Well, the username at. is... Yeah. Oh, that's not all. It's all lowercase. I can make it a big J. You are a big J. Are you positive? Um. Yeah. I mean, look at the tweet that's up on the thing right now. Go to my account. Well, go to DMQE Infinity, I guess. You gotta send no like <clears throat> i'm trying to see if if twitter just makes it lowercase when no. it's like in that format no you definitely typed it in that way what's yours all lowercase because my entire online footprint is lowercase. is lowercase are you sure go to someone else try and find me a like a dm that you have where someone has a uppercase in their oh, oh yeah. shit cool i in this format like Jack Settlement, all caps, kind of looks like I'm like a scammer. I think I'm going to change mean, that. You are a fucking scammer, dude. <laughs> That's a good point. Like it was perfect what you had, yeah. Yeah, with the with the big bet pinned to the profile. Jesus, what am I doing? Whoa, 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 whoa. what's that, Zach? Huh. Uh, That's cap. I need a source. I need a deadline source. We share sources once we share the office. That's facts. 
Well, what, hit your Dalvin source for he's getting traded. I know, but the problem is no one gives it. The problem is like <laughs> no one cares I was the only one that knew Dalvin Cook was cooked at this point. Yeah, going into the summer. Yeah, everyone was excited about it. like oh an elite no, running everyone, back hits. Everyone tomorrow. knew that actually. That's why you? That's why you peasants were so excited about that. I game. imagine drafting Dalvin Cook. The peasants <laughs> are, the, are the ones who drafted have, Brees Hall. You have so no Brees Hall's about to go fucking go nuts. About to right, right, brother. He just had like three huge games. I don't know if I have a single. Dalvin Cook share because I'm sharp as a fucking tack. You know who my top exposure is? Jonathan Taylor, forty two percent owned, and that's sharp. I mean, come on, he missed fucking four weeks already. So did Justin Jefferson and Cooper Cup. <laughs> you drafted him with uncertainty going in. No, no, no. I, I have his ADP. I have is like fifth and sixth round. Mm-hmm. Mm. Mm-hmm. There's no chance you have forty two percent JT in fifth and sixth round. Yeah, because you probably were drafting him in the second round. Like no, because I auto drafted one hundred twenty drafts the last three days before BBM closed. Did you cap out BBM? Yeah, all. This was the drafts. first time that I ever actually wanted to. Like I'm going to do it next summer. I've never wanted to, but now I want to dominate. I did it the last two years, and then this year I was like. I just need to max it out, see what happens. I have a ton of teams with like Puka and Raheem Mostert together that are going really, really, really well. Wow. And it makes me, I, I, I draft like 11 BBM teams. I have makes me three sick. teams with Puka out of 150. And I have three teams with Raheem Mostert. Yeah, the auto draft didn't go great, but. How do I fucking. Uh, I have B. John Robinson. He got 0. .3 points. That right. was hype. How do I. I'm going to be honest. We need to fix the UI here a little bit on the underdog. What? Complex for you? Yes. Because from a user standpoint, seriously, I want to talk about this. From a user standpoint. Are we live right now? No, we haven't started yet. Okay. This is all at the end. Yeah. So no one's actually listening to this part. Yeah. That's why I could talk about bullshit. The UI of underdog. Their top menu, active completed live results. Yes. From a user perspective, active and live, mm. completed and results. Mm-hmm. That is extremely confusing yeah. to know what you're actually you looking for and what you're that, clicking right? on. Yeah. I do no, I because, agree. you know what I mean? But from yeah. a perspective, I'm not... Half the time when I'm looking for something, I think so quickly on my phone yeah. that I'm like, what the fuck? Where is it? Yeah. The thing I'm looking for. We just need to, we just need to dial in on that. Ooh, really do. Wemby booster tonight. 24 and a half. Yeah, Wemby's going to be the fucking GOAT. He looks pretty good. He's going to be the GOAT. Like, better than Donovan Mitchell. What's your what's your highest scoring BBM team? You have <laughs> 2,027. Um, 927. Your highest BBM team is 927? Dude, I auto-drafted. The teams are ass. I drafted 11 teams. My highest is 907. Oh, so I'm cooking you? 907, 876, 895. So I'm cooking you. Got Tua. Nothing makes... Ayuk, Kirk, Pittman... Waddle, Puka, Josh Downs. Oh, my God. No, this is the best team ever. I love when every receiver... Like, that's a team that everyone knows their role. Like, on a week-to-week basis, they're like, I'm going to contribute. Rashi Rice was a nice... I'm going to contribute this week. I'm going to contribute this week. Ooh. What? The running back group is interesting. Like, ETN's a beast, obviously. Like, this team would have been ripping. A-chan's on here, too. He got hurt. Out. Another guy. It's all auto-drafted. I didn't do anything. Big week. I didn't do anything. All right. So, fuck it. I'm not giving you any credit, then. Please don't. Give me creds for winning 10 bucks week one weekly winners, Strap. Oh. Give me credit for hitting Braun under 23 and a half points last night. Like, what are they doing? Braun's not coming out and scoring a 25 piece. I got a question. Yeah. Are you done? <laughs> are you done? I'm ready. I'm ready. 